In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. As we enter into the scenes of the Gospel, we can, uh, we can picture the interactions of Jesus with the Apostles. He was, after all, their leader, and he would walk ahead of them, and they followed. That's why they were disciples. They were followers, and they followed behind him, literally, physically. But sometimes they would huddle in a small group and sit in a, cir- a circle around him. Other times he, he stood there, and they stood behind him as he addressed the crowds, and they would be behind him. They would kind of, kind of like political leaders do sometimes when they speak on TV. You know, the, their supporters stand behind them, and and the apostles might have done that too. They're they're kind of saying with their presence there, they're standing there. We we agree with the, what this guy is saying. And uh, but in in the gospel that we have here today from Saint Luke, one senses that that perhaps uh, the Lord now is perhaps standing a little bit more off on his own and uh, they see him go off and pray on his own spend all night alone with God his Father and uh, while they were amongst themselves they were talked about they talked amongst themselves what must he be talking with God the Father about they could see that he was not in some kind of private monologue he wasn't uh, just like thinking about himself, much less stewing over something that the Pharisees had said. He was not brainstorming on his own. He was clearly having a conversation with somebody, and it was a worthwhile conversation, so much so that it lasted all night. Pope John Paul II showed signs of this too when he went into public places to pray sometimes, uh, it's as though everybody respected that personal dialogue that he engaged in. You could see it was fruit of many years of intimate prayer with God as Father. Sometimes he would focus in on a document. Uh, other times, right there in front of the crowd, he would just be in silence there and praying or giving thanks after Mass. It was quite a, an impressive thing to see Pope John Paul II just pray. It's as though he was really conscious of the moment and nothing distracted him. And you and I, well, we are often under a barrage of many distractions. Indeed, there are whole companies that spend all their money trying to distract us, trying to put all our attention on our phones or or just to get more clicks, more likes. They just want us to be constantly focused in on their and they've spent a significant amount of manpower and in- intellect to figure out how to do that. But of course, even if we do do that, in the end we don't feel terribly satisfied. We, we feel we've been somehow manipulated, and therefore it kind of just leads to more dissipation. Yes, maybe things we like, but, but not really the true thing that does really put us in contact with God. 
I would say that even if Jesus had been given a phone, he would mostly have put it down. You know, he he would not have needed. Well, I guess he doesn't need it, but he, but you know, you could tell by his disposition, perhaps by his inner joy, perhaps by his calm and his serenity, that that especially after some kind of time of prayer, that he came out refreshed, and you and I also have to come out refreshed. And, well, all these cues that the apostles saw in Jesus and the way he, he prayed and all that um, led them to ask him on one of those occasions when he came back, perhaps from a night at prayer, Lord, teach us to pray like that. Teach us to pray. They had heard that John the Baptist, too, had taught his disciples. And no doubt he did a good job, too. But... So maybe, Lord, you could give us a little brief course on how, how you do that when we see you off there in the distance praying. What are you doing? What, what, what must we do so that we can participate somehow in that? How can I enter into that mysterious realm? And maybe they were thinking of some kind of secret formula or something, but... It's clear that this was not going to be just about some secret lines of code that, that they could learn and, and, and it would somehow do something for them. They press return and then bang, they would be in contact. You know, it's, perhaps perhaps they, they thought that the Lord would open up a secret vault that God the Father had given him and this would, would make contact with Yahweh easier. Maybe it would be about entering into that that kind of conversation that they saw in him because for the, most of the Jews uh, God was often seen as very transcendent very beyond us he was Yahweh and uh, they even feared calling him by name you'll remember how Moses had asked okay what is your name when you saw the burning bush and God said to Moses I am who am I am who am you know he said uh, say this to the people of Israel I am has sent you, you know? this is my name forever you know, I mean that's that's a it's a very transcendent name and it means the one who possesses the fullness of being and um, this is what the catechism says about that incident it says it is at once a name revealed and something like a refusal of a name and, and hence, it better expresses God as what He is, infinitely above everything that we can understand or say. He is the hidden God. His name is ineffable. And He is the God who makes Himself close to men. So when they saw Jesus praying like that, they, they understood that He was transcendent, that God was transcendent, but now they're sensing that maybe it's not as transcendent as all as that, as as much as they thought, or as, they, as much as they had learned. Maybe yes, he's transcended, but it, he, he somehow, Jesus had come how, somehow come and give access, given access to them, like a private member's pass that only certain people can come in. And this is where he gives his new name. We read this in. In uh, the Acts in uh, Saint Luke, um, when they ask him to pray, he was praying in a certain place, 
And when he ceased, one of his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our trespass, our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. So, of course, the first words, Father, hallowed be your name. That's the new name of God. That's the new name of God that the disciples learned there and that we have learned that is, He is a Father, He is close to us, and we can, we can trust Him. Yes, at the same time He is transcendent, but now this is like the, the newest and most important revelation about God, that He is a Father, and that we are part of that family of God. That is, we are, as you know, we are His children. And if He is my Father, I'm, ne- I'm either a son or a daughter. And therefore there must be also love for me, and I must love Him in return as any son or daughter would. It is very sad when when children have been bad in some way and they doubt, somehow come to doubt their parents' love for them. They feel they somehow must succeed in life, in work, and, and, and they somehow have to prove themselves to their parents. And that way they can merit their parents' love, or especially their father's love. So they have to show how good they are in this or that, and in sports, or you know, a, a young boy who you know, wants to score a goal in the team or something, and the father's watching, he he's just wants to prove that he can do this. And then if he doesn't, doesn't score a goal or something, and, and, uh, and he, he, he looks for the attentive eye of his father if, for approval or disapproval. And... Um, this is a, a big deception that many humans have fallen for regarding their own parents, even in regards to God, that they have to do something in order to be loved. They have to score a goal in order to be loved or lovable. Mm-hmm. There's stories about that. Uh, I think it was, uh, there was a famous, famous guy who, who, um, who was brought into the principal's office with his father and the principal... You know, said, uh, you know, he's been behaving badly. He's not getting good marks, and he's this and that, and he's a bad boy. And uh, and uh, and then the father said to the principal, "Thank you very much." And he took his son out of the school and started walking home. Of course, the little boy was like totally terrified. There was no, there was not a single word, right? Not a single word. And uh, and then at one point, the father put his hand on the boy's arm and said. Keep at it, my boy. Keep at it. You know, and he said those words completely transformed his life, and he became a president of the of the United States of America. That, that I think I believe that that was uh, Eisenhower. He became like <laughs> after he heard those words, he understood that his father loved him, even if he failed or did bad at school. And so that's why this. Our Father, what our, our Lord taught us to pray, is what Pope Francis has called the great rev- religious revolution introduced by Christianity. It's a religious revolution. He said in 2017, we see here the great r- religious revolution introduced by Christianity, taught by the Savior's command. We dare to speak to the transcendent and all-holy God as children speak, with complete trust to a loving Father, 
In the parable of the merciful father who welcomes his prodigal son with supreme forgiveness, Jesus speaks to us of the father's unconditional unconditional love. And this is, of course, the prayer that children learn. We, say, we Obviously, we say it every day at Holy Mass. It unites all Christians. I mean, at least that has not, for money, no, hasn't been... The, you know, the Protestants or whoever haven't abandoned the Our Father. You know? well, they've added something to it. They, they've added a little piece at the end, you know, but it's okay. It's, for thine is the King, the power and the glory forever and ever. Okay, fine, fine, okay. But still, they pray the Our Father, the Lord's Prayer, meaning it is addressed to the Father, but given to us on the authority of our Lord Himself. Indeed, there's a, as you know, there's a whole section of the Catechism of the Catholic Church dedicated to this. But it must not be for us, and it should never be just like a formula or a line of code to repeat mechanically. Jesus not only gives us the words of our filial prayer, but at the same time he gives us a spirit by whom these words become in us spirit and life. The way we can just say the Our Father. I mean, the apostles must have remembered this so well. That moment stayed in their minds, and then they brought it back when Luke, years and years later, took note. It must have really been at that moment like an aha moment. Not just because they memorized the words, but this prayer seemed to heighten their awareness of who he was, his deepest identity. I can imagine them teaching these words to St. Paul later on once they had been convinced that St. Paul was good and that he, he could be trusted after the road to Damascus and all that, you know, how deeply impressed he must have been by those words. Indeed, he later wrote to the Galatians his own experience of that word-spirit unity. He wrote to the Galatians that famous line. He said, The Father sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. No, Abba, Abba. And what a re- wonderful revelation of who God is, that He is Abba, that He is Father. It's not a, a, Abba is not a complex, distant, philosophical concept, you know, like ipsum esse subsistence, like St. Thomas later said, right? But, the, but it's a, you know, God is not a distant slave owner. There's Abba, to say Abba, there, there's, a, there's a tenderness there. Uh, and it, there should be a kind of tenderness and a confidence also in when we pray, And indeed, I, I read this morning in the Office of Readings, the, in the, the breviary that the priests read, there's a section called the Office of Readings, which is the longer one, at the beginning of the day. And it's got, of course, the Psalms, but it's also got passages from the Fathers of the Church. And, and this morning there was a passage from St. Augustine, in which he comments the Our Father in his letter to a fellow called Proba. And uh, he, he goes through the Our Father and he gives numerous examples of how he finds this in the Old Testament, that is, that he finds some of these words, you know, that he, he sees in the Our Father. I mean, he goes through the entire Our Father, but I, I just give you examples when he says, he reads in Scripture, like in the Psalms, direct my steps according to your word, so that iniquity has no dominion over me. That's from the Psalm, right? What else is he saying then? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hmm? Or 
when the book of Proverbs it is said give me neither poverty nor riches grant me only my share of food what else is this than give us this day our daily bread so he goes through the whole scriptures and he and he basically finds tidbits if you like of the entire our father and he goes into great length at this and so it can be a way for us to tap into the wonder of divine filiation this this mysterious truth that Jesus reveals to us and if we do this no matter what happens in our life health uh, work uh, apostolate you know it'll always keep us vibrant you know, it'll always keep us like avoiding mold in our prayer creeping into our soul you know like when when you leave an area that you don't clean like a, a place that is damp and wet and you just don't clean it it's it's for sure mold is going to creep in there and it's going to get smelly and and uh, like in the, the floods in Calgary a few years ago uh, people would clean out their basements and they would do it where water had entered and it, they said that if water had stayed there for over 24 hours mold starts to spread it can lead to coughing to headaches to wheezing to putrid smells rot and so in the end they had to just tear out the floorboards in many places and, and kind of start anew but rebuild the floors uh, where the water right had, had lay there and um, it's very important that we we never let mold get into our interior life to be eaten away by fear or human respect or human vision or anxiety or even activism that's a form of mold and uh, we must tear that out, tear it out. And uh, we must rid ourselves of this image of a distant, fault-finding God who, who is practically impossible to please and is ever ready, happy, is never really happy, rather, with us, uh, you know, until we're absolutely perfect. You know? No, he's always, like, fault-finding. And, um, you know, the word Abba was not a highfalutin word for the Jews. It was a very, it was a, it, it did not seem to reflect the grandeur and reverence with which one had to deal with God. For them, God was really transcendent. But years later, Paul would use Jesus' own words, Abba. Only a son uses that word, Abba. It's like daddy. It's like, uh, it's not, you know, only a son uses daddy. In contrast, a, uh, a slave would use the, would say, master, my master. But son, both son and slave obey. While sl the slave obeys maybe out of fear of punishment, the son obeys out of trust, out of confidence out of his father's great wisdom. Maybe sometimes we obey out of kind of like being a slave. Out of fear. It's funny, yesterday I was coming back from kind Kinder and I was walking along there, Charles Street, uh, my way back and there were all these trucks lined up and these pylons and stuff and there were a number of security guards there just watching over everything and um, I don't know what this was but uh, 
I just saw these security guards. They, they seem to be paying attention to all the, the stuff that was lined up there. But at the very end, one guy was there, and just next to the sidewalk, on the road, but on the side of the road, he had set up a small little carpet, and it, it looked almost like a, just a small little piece of cotton of some kind. And he'd thrown it down, and he was on his knees, and he was bowing down, kissing the ground, you know, he was going like this, you know, like, like the Muslims do, you know, obviously a Muslim facing east, uh, or facing Scarborough, I guess, but, uh, and uh, he was doing it uh, very, very reverently, I mean, and uh, I must say, as I passed by on the sidewalk, right next to him, he didn't, like, didn't bat an eye, he just kept bowing over, he didn't care that I was there at all, and uh, out of just respect, I removed my cap, you know, I had my baseball cap on there, but, uh, um, just to show him, you know, like, like I respect uh, what you're doing, guy, you know. And, uh, you know, uh, but it did say something about the greatness of Allah, right? It, uh, like how maybe just by the way he was doing that and uh, repeatedly bowing over, uh, it did say something about the unfathomable distance, presumably, and the transcendence of Allah and how great he was. And yet, our Lord wants to us uh, wants us to address His Father as our Father, as our Father, with confidence. I mean, there is room for reverence and uh, you know bowing the heads. It's, it's all those are all good things, of course, you know. But uh, we must really ask the Lord to help us grow in our trusting of His providence, His goodness even if we don't always see it, don't always understand it fully. You know, always children, it's beautiful to see, feel very secure next to their father. They know he will protect them. With God the Father, we know always we're on solid ground. And we have to be on solid ground in our vocation. We have to be on solid ground. And the most fundamental is not that we know a lot, or that we work well, or that we're intelligent, that's not the nature of our solid ground. Really, in many ways, is that God uses all these things for His children, and we are His children in Oprah's Day. That's the that's the solid ground. And you know, engineers they like to go to sites where where there have been earthquakes. They'll go and check out those places, and they look at the landscape, and they, they begin to examine which buildings stood and which fell. And those that resisted the earthquake must have had well-built foundations. And so they reverse engineer them and they, and, they, and they come to understand, well, how was this building built? What were the foundations they used? What materials? And uh, maybe there was no fault line there. I don't know. But uh, so you and I, will, in our life, will, will, be, will face some form of earthquake at one point. Is my life built on the solid foundation of my faith in God the Father? Perhaps, well, you can see, perhaps praying this prayer with a new emphasis that that our Father that we pray every day in the rosary and uh, the visit, and knowing that at the same time, of course, we're all interconnected as sons and daughters with the same loving God. And He will give us our daily bread. It's 
yes, physical bread, I suppose, but he will give us meaning. He will, he will, you know, maybe we'll have to change places. We have to go to another center and we're afraid. Uh, I'm not going to like it there or something and or it's going to be hard or I'm not going to understand the language or it's okay. You'll go and you'll, you'll figure it out. And the Lord will be there always. It's the same God, you know. I mean, it's the same God. <laughs> you know, you're not going to meet another God there. And um, of course, when we say "Give us this day our daily, daily bread," we don't ask, "Give us, Lord, a whole mountain of bread, a whole storehouse of bread. Give me a whole Costco full of bread." You know, <laughs> you know? then I'll have lots of good bread. You know? Sometimes we, we get white bread here, we get the brown bread, and then we get this other kind of other form of bread. I don't know what's called this, like kind of like uh, it's brown, but it's better or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we, everybody likes that and everything. Uh, but we can't just say, we just have to wait till it shows up. You know? But <laughs> we can't ask for a whole store of it, right? Give us this day our daily bread. Just what's necessary for today. Forgetting the past and not just worrying about the future. That's why our Lord said, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Let the day's own troubles be sufficient for the day, he tells us in St. Matthew and also in St. Luke. And uh, this was something, of course, that our our father discovered uh, you know on uh, numerous occasions in his life and and uh, it kind of there was a before and after in his life you know when he discovered divine filiation there on that tramway and uh, maybe there has to be a before and after in us too many saints have discovered this you know, saint teresa of avila you know she she found uh, the our father as a kind of a refuge for her right and since we say it often in the Holy Rosary, right, um, we can, it's not that we have to say it with super, super attention, but, you know, we can say it with confidence and with the joy or, or the sorrow or the glory or the luminosity with which we say it in each of the mysteries. Our Father, who art in heaven, you know, hallowed be thy name. You are here with me and you're watching over me I want to have confidence in you and I want to love you with all my heart, all my soul, and all my mind. Our Blessed Mother, of course, she is the Mother of God, so she too will, will intercede for us so that that divine filiation really becomes the foundation of our interior life. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask you how to put them into effect my Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.